Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Let us humbly confess our sins unto Almighty God. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from thy ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against thy holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done, and there is no health in us. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us, miserable offenders. Spare thou those, O God, who confess their faults. Restore thou those who are penitent, according to thy promises declared unto mankind, in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may hereafter live a godly, righteous, and sober life, to the glory of thy holy name. Amen. The Almighty and merciful Lord grant you absolution and remission of all your sins, true repentance, amendment of life, and the grace and consolation of his Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. O Lord, open thou our lips. And our mouths shall show forth thy praise. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Praise ye the Lord. The Lord's name be praised. Psalms 8 and 19, beginning on page 350. O Lord, our governor, how excellent is thy name in all the world. Thou hast set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of very babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. When I consider thy heavens, even the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? Thou madest him lower than the angels, to crown him with glory and worship. Thou makest him to have dominion of the works of thy hands, and thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. All sheep and oxen, yea, and the beasts of the field. The fowls of the air and the fishes of the sea, and whatsoever walketh through the paths of the sea. O Lord, our governor, how excellent is thy name in all the world. Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. One day telleth another, and one night certifieth another. There is neither speech nor language, but their voices are heard among them. Their sound is gone out into all the lands, and their words unto the ends of the earth. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which cometh forth as a bridegroom out of his chamber, and rejoiceth as a giant to run his course. 
It goeth forth from the uttermost part of the heaven, and runneth about unto the end of it again, and there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. The law of the Lord is an undefiled law, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, and giveth wisdom unto the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, and rejoice the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, and giveth light unto the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, and endureth forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant taught, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Who can tell how oft he offendeth? O cleanse thou me from my secret faults. Keep thy servant also from presumptuous sin, lest they get the dominion over me. So shall I be undefiled and innocent from the great offense. But the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Here beginneth the third chapter of the first book of Maccabees. Then his son Judas, called Maccabeus, rose up in his stead, and all his brethren helped him, and so did all they that held with his father, and they fought with cheerfulness the battle of Israel. So he got his people great honor, and put on a breastplate as a giant, and girt his warlike harness about him, and he made battles, protecting the host with his sword. In his acts he was like a lion, and like a lion's whelp roaring for his prey. For he pursued the wicked and sought them out, and burnt up those that vexed his people. Wherefore the wicked shrunk for fear of him, and all the workers of iniquity were troubled, because salvation prospered in his hand. He grieved also many kings, and made Jacob glad with his acts, and his memorial is blessed forever. Moreover, he went through the cities of Judah, destroying the ungodly out of them, and turning away wrath from Israel, so that he was renowned unto the utmost part of the earth, and he received unto him such as were ready to perish. Then Apollonius gathered the Gentiles together, and a great host out of Samaria, to fight against Israel, which thing, when Judas perceived, he went forth to meet him. And so he smote him, and slew him. Many also fell down slain, but the rest fled. Wherefore Judas took their spoils, and Apollonius' sword also, and therewith he fought all his life long. Now when Siron, a prince of the army of Syria, heard say that Judas had gathered unto him a multitude and company of the faithful to go out with, with him to war. He said, I will get me a name and honor in the kingdom, for I will go and fight with Judas and them that are with him, who despise the king's commandment. So I made him ready to go up, 
and there went with him a mighty host of the ungodly to help him, and to be avenged of the children of Israel. And when he came near to the going up of Beth Horon, Judas went forth to meet him with a small company, who, when they saw the host coming to meet them, said unto Judas, How shall we be able, being so few, to fight against so great a multitude and so strong, seeing we are ready to faint with fasting all this day? Unto whom Judas answered, It is no hard matter for many to be shut up in the hands of a few, and with the God of heaven it is all one to deliver with a great multitude or a small company. For the victory of battle standeth not in the multitude of an host, but strength cometh from heaven. Here endeth the first lesson. My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Saviour. For he hath regarded the lowliness of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath magnified me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him throughout all generations. He hath showed strength with his arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seat and hath exalted the humble and meek. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath sent empty away. He, remembering his mercy, hath holpen his servant Israel, as he promised to our forefathers, Abraham and his seed forever. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Here beginneth the eighteenth chapter of the Acts of the Apostles. After these things Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome. And he came to them. So because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for by occupation they were tent-makers. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath, and persuaded both Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia, Paul was compelled by the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. But when they opposed him and blasphemed, he shook his garments and said to them, your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. From now on I will go to the Gentiles. And he departed from there and entered the house of a certain man named Justice, one who worshipped God, whose house was next door to the synagogue. Then Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his household, and many of the Corinthians hearing, believed, and were baptized. Now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision. Do not be afraid, but speak, and do not keep silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you to hurt you, for I have many people in this city. 
And he continued there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. Here endeth the second lesson. Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, to be a light to lighten the Gentiles, and to be the glory of thy people Israel. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with thy spirit. Let us pray. O Lord, show thy mercy upon us. And grant us thy salvation. O Lord, save the state. And mercifully hear us when we call upon thee. And do thy ministers with righteousness and make thy chosen people joyful. O Lord, save thy people. And bless thine inheritance. Give peace in our time, O Lord. For it is thou, Lord, only that makest us dwell in safety. O God, make clean our hearts within us. And take not thy Holy Spirit from us. Grant, O Lord, we beseech thee, that the course of this world may be so peaceably ordered by thy governance that thy church may joyfully serve thee in all godly quietness, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. O God, from whom all holy desires, all good counsels, and all just works do proceed, give unto thy servants that peace which the world cannot give, that our hearts may be set to obey thy commandments, and also that by thee, we being defended from the fear of our enemies, may pass our time in rest and quietness, through the merits of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Lighten our darkness, we beseech thee, O Lord, and by thy great mercy defend us from all perils and dangers of this night, for the love of thy only Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Good evening, all. Start our lessons tonight in the, um, in the Psalms that are appointed for tonight in Psalms 8 and 19. Um, both of which have a, a heavy emphasis on remarking on the orderliness of God's um, creation. Um, the, uh, Psalm 8 is more specifically a, you know, a creation poem, um, but it is, um, it's reflecting in both cases how the, order, how the law of God, how, his, his, how, how, the, well, you know, how the, the way that he has created things to be, the purpose with which he has designed them to fulfill, um, and the, the orderliness of the way he has set them in, about in their course 
um, is reflected cosmically so that as we look out upon um, nature, we can begin to perceive that there is a way of things, an orderliness of things. Um, and then there's a, there's a second dimension of both Psalms that reflect the law of God more specifically and explicitly um, revealed um, to his chosen people. And this is meant to be seen as a harmony, as being in harmony with the, the law that is perceptible through nature and through the heavens. Um, none of these are meant to be seen in an antagonism to each other. Um, rather, God has, has um, created things in such a way that he reveals his characteristics and his purposes. And then also he has explicitly, um, you know, sort of communicated those things to his chosen people in the, the giving of the law, the Torah, the way um, that his people are to live in the midst of the land. Um, and that's significant because it, it ties together, um, you know, two kinds of, you know, that what we might call the natural law um, with the revealed law or the or revealed this, this sort of especially revealed law, what some people have called like special revelation which is um, directly, um, is, is, is sort of put directly before a person or within a person. Um, whereas the, the natural law is, the, um, is, a, is a sort of a fertile source of contemplation by which we are uh, enabled, we are, we are sort of set about in a world through which we are enabled um, through meditation on the revealed law um, to meditate upon the, the way that the, the, that nature um, corroborates and corresponds to it. And in keeping the law, we are actually being led into a way of living harmoniously with the creation and not in antagonism to it in ways that are consumptive or um, ways that, um, that, that misuse the creation, um, either by idolizing them, by making them, you know, sort of divinities in, in themselves or by subjugating them in, in a kind of tyrannical way and ruling over creation as tyrants um, and, and, and dominating the world. Um, the law of God um, that is, you know, is revealed to Israel, you know, in the way that they're to go about living in the land is, in, is a way of indicating how they are to exist as humanity was designed to exist in the world um, that God set them in. And so that's a significant, you know, unity to observe there. And in both Psalms, the, the psalmist remarks on the fact that then there is a sort of third horizon of, 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 of orderliness that should be observed that happens within the human heart. Um, and that all of these are meant to be seen as kind of microcosms of each other, that the orderliness of the heavens ought to be the orderliness of, you know, of, of human, human society in the midst of nature ought to be the orderliness of the human heart within itself. Um, and that all of these are designed to have a, an integrity to themselves and also an integrity with one another, um, that they are, that they are to, to, you know, to be, to be ordered as God has, has designed them to be. Um, that there is a design for these things. There is a purpose for these things and that we can't just kind of go about doing whatever we want with ourselves or with the world around us or relating to it in any way. That's, uh, that's a significant, um, you know, observation because it, as St. Paul will point out in Romans chapters one and two, um, it is both through, it is through both of these means, through the way that nature has been constructed and also through which the, you know, the specific will, the explicit will of God has been directly communicated to certain peoples that, you know, that, that all of that all of the all of humankind is meant to be kind of drawn together into the right worship of God, 
that, you know, as Paul points out in the first chapters of Romans, the Gentiles became inheritors of a law revealed through nature, through which they were to, you know, discern over careful kind of contemplative relationship to it, the attributes of God so that they would, you know, not see nature as God and see nature as proceeding from a God. Um, and that they might be led with wonder to inquire about the true nature of that God. And likewise, the ancient, you know, the ancient people of Israel who were given the Torah um, were meant to, you know, to use that privileged place of having received that re revealed knowledge um, as a way of guiding everybody to the fulfillment of what was sort of, um, you know, nascently available in nature. And that the impulse that might, you know, turn a person who wonders at the natural world um, to, you know, to, it, 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 as it moves their religious, um, you know, impulse, that the law directs them towards the one true God who set all these things in motion and who sustains them and through and, and who desires a relationship with everybody who would be thus turned. We see, of course, in our two readings that this, you know, this this harmonious relationship between the Jew and the Gentile are um, is, is rarely the case. And we see one reason for why that precedent, that divis divisiveness gets set in motion is through uh, what we see in the book of Maccabees, of course, that, that the post-captivity people who are returning to Jerusalem are hardened into a sense of animosity with the Gentile peoples around them because through long periods of warfare and through, you know, invasion, through occupation, through captivity, through the destruction of their temple, through the desecration of the new temple, they, you know, it, heart, it sort of it pushes them into a kind of enclosed posture and that is that is set against the outsider. Um, which is exactly the opposite of God's design for his ancient chosen people and for the world around them. They're meant to be, you know, this people that attracts that Jerusalem is a city set on a hill gleaming in the in the evening sun that attracts the seeker and draws them into the worship of, of the one true God. And we're beginning to see in Maccabees how this will be generationally um, problematized um, in the year in the centuries that come. And by the time we get to the time of the apostles, um, there'll be all the problems that we're seeing unfold in the book of Acts about how Jews and Gentiles are supposed to relate to one another. And these it's helpful for us to remember that these are these are deep rooted problems that are hundreds of years in the making. We're getting to see some of the taproots of those in our Maccabees readings and that the victoriousness of, of, of the Jewish people under Judas Maccabeus, although it will have the short term effect of dispelling the desecrators of their temple, will also kind of calcify into a psychology that makes the other their enemy. Um, and that will have a trickle down problematic effect as they, you know, seek to fulfill their ultimate purpose, which is to be a light to the Gentiles. And similarly, you know, you see in our book, of, in our reading from Acts, this issue of um, this issue of, of Gentiles sort of being of, of Gentiles sort of having a, a new position in all of this that Paul goes out and is drawing to himself in a way that is almost that is that is parallel to our reading from Maccabees as Judas Maccabeus went out to gather the faithful remnant um, from all the towns of, of Judah um, that were under siege um, from those who opposed the worship of the one true God. So now Paul goes out into Gentile lands and is drawing a remnant of largely Gentile 
exiles um, to to himself as the, you know as, as an apostle um, and is drawing those seeking life who were perishing but now have come into the knowledge life giving knowledge of the one true God and we're meant to see in these pairing of readings a parallelism and a kind of sad irony that those who kind of were drawn together as a remnant at one point have become the antagonists to the remnant that the Spirit is drawing through the apostles to 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 the worship of God. Um, and so it's a it's a it's a case study in, uh, for us in um, as we conceive of being a faithful remnant that has set about a rule of prayer and community together that we have to always be watchful for that calcifying against the outsider on the one hand but also to be attentive to the surprising ways the spirit may draw the unexpected person to our community um, and to be receptive to that um, and not to put obstacles in the way of, of, of a movement of the, of the Holy Spirit. So it's a call for us to just be um, calm and watchful and um, willing to be surprised um, when someone who's unexpected shows up in our midst. We'll turn to our intercession on page 590. Accept, O Lord, our intercessions for all mankind. Let the light of thy gospel shine upon all nations, and may as many as have received it live as becomes it. Be gracious unto thy church, and grant that every member of the same in his vocation and ministry may serve thee faithfully. Bless all in authority over us, and so rule their hearts and strengthen their hands, that they may punish wickedness and vice, and maintain thy true religion and virtue. Send down thy blessings, temporal and spiritual, upon all our relations, friends, and neighbors. Reward all who have done us good, and pardon all those who have done or wish us evil, and give them repentance and better minds. Be merciful to all who are in any trouble. And do thou, the God of pity, administer to them according to their several necessities. For his sake, who went about doing good, thy Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Ghost be with us all evermore. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being here tonight. And thanks to Barbara and Chris, my co-eaters tonight. Hope you have a wonderful evening. Thank you. You too. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks very much. Have a good Thank evening. Nice to see you. Yeah. Good night, everybody.